Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of study of the Word of God. And uh, we thank God for His Word. We thank God for His mercy. We thank God for yet another day in His presence. And uh, we want to continue with our study of the book of Matthew. We are on chapter 21. We handled up to verse 11 last time. And uh, we want to continue with verse 12 of chapter 21. We looked at the triumphant entry. We see Jesus entering Jerusalem. And we saw all the things that happened on that day as he enters Jerusalem. And now, the Bible tells us in verse 12, after entering Jerusalem, there is another activity that goes on as we read. And we are very familiar with this uh, activity that happens. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Now, we need to understand what is going on here. Jesus has just come into Jerusalem. Of course, this is not the first time that he's entering this temple. He must have gone there several times before. He must have witnessed what was being done there before in the temple. And uh, when he comes this time, he is in authority. Because when he's coming on this particular occasion, he is leading. He's a leader already. He has people who are following him. He has already already caused uh, concern to the authorities when he walked into Jerusalem and the nature that he came into Jerusalem. And now, he enters this temple and the first thing he does is to drive out all those who are buying and all those who are selling in the temple. This is... Uh, of course, understanding from how the temple affairs used to work, given the days they had to celebrate as Israel, the festivals they had to celebrate, you had cases where they were told uh, for one particular festival that they come and uh, they will have to come with money and then they will buy those things that they are going to use for sacrifice. For example, doves. And they would have to buy them there. But... This was something that kept on happening year after year. Of course, it may not have been the bad thing, really, because uh, they were selling things that are going to be used for sacrifice. But also, it can also come in another way to let us know that the things of God or the things that concern God do not necessarily have to involve money. We, I know this might be a sticky issue, but... If whatever we are doing for God has to involve money, if you want to be prayed for, bring money. If you want uh, this book, you bring money. If you want this, 
uh, service you bring money. And we see that happening today. People pay literally for everything. If you want to be prayed for, you'll take money. If you don't take money, you'll be prayed for last. Or if you bring less money, then they might not even attend to you at all. And monetization of the things of God is one of the issues that Jesus is addressing here. The, this monetization, of course, like I have told you, they used to come, they used to bring money, and they would buy some of these items and uh, use them for purposes of uh, getting sacrifices that will be given. Money changers also did exist because, remember, at this time that we are talking about, uh, you already have the dispersion that happened after the conquests of, uh, of the Persian Empire and uh, the Babylonian Empire. So people had gone off uh, to far lands. They had been taken out of their homeland. So when it comes to celebrating festivals, knowing they were Jews, they had to travel long distances to come. And it's because th- from the places they were staying, that they used to have a different, let me use the word currency. They used to have a different currency. When they come to Jerusalem, they will have to exchange money. So that is the use of money changers. There are th- some things that have to be highlighted here. When the temple, of course in the time of, ne- of, of Nebuchadnezzar, this temple is burnt down, brought down. And then it is rebuilt. Yeah, when they return, the Persians through Cyrus give authority, build the temple, and it's built. Of course, not to the magnificence of the other one that existed, but it still did exist. And now, you are in a situation where you have to attend to the people. You have to practice the worship that has to go on in the temple. And then... These officials that now lead the temple, the likes of the Pharisees, the likes of the chief priests, and the Sadducees who are the main uh, uh, bigger group that was attached to the temple, get a way of handling people. The women are taken to the lower section. Yeah, They, they are pushed way back as far as uh, where they are supposed to worship from is concerned. They are pushed way back that... This is where you're worshiping from. Then remember, there were also a, there was also a court for the Gentiles because the Gentiles, as they they are, were not excluded from the gospel. Jesus, when he comes, he brings it out to them that they are also accepted. So you find Gentiles were also worshippers. They were part of the group that used to come and pray, used to come and worship. And then what happens? The court of the Gentiles was no longer uh, something that was regarded by these Pharisees or these chief priests, and they, they are pushed out. Now, the place that these people are supposed to be in or worship from eventually is turned into a section for the money changers, a section for these people who buy and sell. They used to exist, but they were mostly on the outer end. Yeah, They never used to be uh, an issue of contention where they used to be located. But now, when they get such people and place them in a position that is removing one who needs to worship so that they get closer to to the center of activity, then that is the problem. 
that is where the problem is. And that is where Jesus comes to address by saying, these people are not supposed to be in this place. They have pushed out those who are coming for spiritual uh, issues so that they can stage a show of sell, so that they can have a part where people can uh, come and buy. And that's the problem. We take people who need God out of the picture and focus on money. We will get the things that matter and throw them out of the window as far as Christianity is concerned, as far as ministry is concerned, then we put emphasis on things that do not matter, things that are uh, cash-based. And yes, it is not bad if somebody wants to earn from probably their gift that God has given them, but also you need to understand where is the limit? Because we can end up monetizing everything. We can end up pushing those who need spiritual attention away to make room for making money. They pushed the Gentiles out of their court and put people who were money changers and selling doves. They are replacing spiritual attention with money making. And may God give us the grace. May God give us the grace to focus and remain focused on his issues and not look to money. Because the Bible tells us clearly, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. It cannot happen. And Jesus here comes in that context. I know he must have heard about this. I know he must have listened unknown before about what these people are doing. So when he makes his trip to Jerusalem, this is part and parcel of his agenda to cleanse the temple. And now he overturns the tables of money, changes, and the seats of those who are selling doves. I want to imagine the scene. I want to imagine what was happening that day as people witnessed this. And they're saying, okay, what is this man doing? Nobody has done this before. He's not afraid that they will fight. I don't know if uh, the, the disciples were on his guard making sure no one approaches it. Because if, if they come and throw your merchandise away, the very natural thing for you to do is to fight. But these people do not come out to fight. They do not come out to even attempt a fight of any nature. Because Jesus firstly is working in authority. This is his temple. This is his temple. He's in charge of the temple. So when he's doing whatever he's doing, he is doing it in authority. And now, he says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. My house shall be called a house of prayer. This is where people come to pray. This is where the afflicted go and find hope. This is where those who are wounded can go and find refuge. This is a place where people can come at any time, enter freely, and are accepted. This includes the Gentiles. But you've pushed them out and you've created a selling place in their section. He is telling them that this is my house. 
It's not your house. Okay, you might have people who built it. You might even have certificates of of construction and appreciation about the work you did. When we build the church, it does not belong to the pastor. When we build the church, it does not belong to the one who brought the most money. When we build the church, it is God's house. And Jesus here says, my house. He refers to it as my house. It belongs to him. The church belongs to Jesus. And that is a very, very hard matter to discuss today. Because people have invested money in buildings. And still, even after investing in buildings, they will still say, because in this context, okay, we shall say the church is in your heart. We move with the church. We are the church. Yes, perfect. But what Jesus is addressing here, he's standing in the temple of Jerusalem, and he is saying, my house. He is saying, my house. So he is referring to the building as well, that this is my house. When we have built all these magnificent buildings, who do they belong to eventually? Do we surrender them to God and say this is God's house? All, we retain all authority, we retain all ownership, and say this is my church. I built it with money. I built it with my money. That is key. Because eventually, Jesus' concern here is this is a house of prayer. Buildings that we've set up are centers for prayer. And everybody should have access to them. Many issues will arise here. Is there a time limit? I, I remember some time back I read about uh, people who went to church to pray. And when the service ended, they were waiting for somebody to come and take them, pick them from their place of worship uh, to take them home that evening. And they were beaten up because they told them, the time for church is done, you should get out of this premise. Get out, we need to close. Do We have to get a time limit. I know all these are questions that I'm posing, but they're important to think about. Yeah, Do we have to have a time limit for prayer? Or it can be a place where anybody can come in at any time and pray because this is the house of God. Because the house of God does not close. It is open for people to come and pray. Now, he says you are making it a robber's den. It is a place that is filled with robbers, people who are looking for money, people who are looking to sell things and make money. It's unfortunate even today, leaders have become robbers. It's unfortunate even today, leaders who are supposed to give spiritual nourishment to the flock, who are supposed to be the shepherds that bring hope, have turned into people who are stealing from the flock. We have seen this. We have read this. I believe you might even have had somebody uh, tell you about an experience they've got, or even you might be the one who has experienced this. That you went to a place where you thought you were going to worship, and you're going to be received and blessed, and instead you were stolen from. They told you to bring your land title 
so that they can pray for you and you'll have a miracle and you took the land title and they prayed for you and whatever you ask to be prayed for, you have never seen it. And probably they told you you did not have enough faith. That is why you have not got that which we prayed for. You know, it's it's interesting how sometimes after uh, people have done that and prayed, they, they say the reason you've not been healed is because you didn't have enough faith. Or the reason beca- why this has not happened, why you've not got that job is because you did not have enough faith. It is now a party, a blame for you. It is you to blame for not receiving that. It is you to blame for not having answered prayer. Yet you've given your land title. Yet you've given your money, as they asked, and you've not received it. And uh, these things are happening today. These we know, and I know you've heard about it. People are being stolen from the house of God. And a preacher will stand on the pulpit and come out boldly and tell you, you need to give, come and give money to, towards this. And it is not, it's purely by their own intuition. It's not God even speaking. Sometimes we put God in this uh, business. God has told me you should give me this much. Bring it here now. Is it God speaking? All we have turned into a robber's den. This is uncomfortable talk, I know. But we need to have it. We need to understand because what these men were doing in this temple is exactly what we are doing today. We are selling the gospel. People who need to be prayed for have to pay money to be prayed for. We are selling the gospel, which is not right. Which is not right because freely we have been given and freely we should give. Scripture tells us that. If God has anointed you for a purpose, then look to his children and bless them without expecting anything. If they give to you well and good, if they decide that, okay, I'm going to go and give to the preacher because they have blessed me today, they've prayed for me, so I'll give a love offering. Well and good, but we do not demand for it. It's wrong for me to come here and demand that, okay, because of uh, the fact that I am preaching here, then you should give me this much so that I bless you, so that I preach to you. It comes out of uh, of the heart and the blessing that people want to give and the love that they might have and say, okay, because of this, because of our leader, because of our minister, because of this ministry, we should give to them freely out of heart. Remember, nobody is ever forced to give. And we saw it even from, from, from the beginning in Exodus when they're setting up the tabernacle. God tells them through Moses that let people give to you. Do not force anybody to give because if somebody does not want to give, they should not give. Do not force anybody to give. They gave willingly for that tabernacle. And if you remember well, they gave even a lot more than was required because they give out of heart. You do not force people to give. Otherwise, this becomes a robber's den. We have so many dens of robbers today in the name of churches. And if Jesus was to come today with his whip, he would not only beat those who are selling doves and money changers, but he would come on the pulpit and find the leader also because we have turned into that. 
And God give us the grace and God forgive us for that. So the act that Jesus is doing is making it clear. Separate Mormon from the house of God. Separate the issues of money from the house of God. And of course, this will also cross into how money is handled in churches because that is also a center of theft. That money that is supposed to do the work of God is instead taken to do other things, stolen for other issues. And this happens as well. And the church of God, which was meant to be a house of prayer, eventually turns into a robber's den. So this is what Jesus is angry about. And he comes and drives them out. He tells them, out of here. This is not a place that you do this. And now, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. After he has cleansed it of all these uh, funny activities, the blind come, the lame come, and he starts to pray for them and he heals them. When we correct our places of, of worship, when we put our places of worship in order, there the dwelling of God shall return. If we put our houses of worship in order, the people that come to the church will be blessed. When we put our church in order, the people who come and they're sick, they will be healed. The blind will see. The lame shall walk. You know, sometimes we are hampering the progress in our ministries because of the activities that we do. We are hampering the blessing of God's people because of the things that we do. Because of turning places into robbers' dens, then God shifts and says, let me give you space because since you wanted to make this a business, let me leave you with your business. And he moves. And the anointing is lacking. And when people come, they are not healed. And when people come, they are not set free because a place is lacking in spirituality and prospering in business. Now, they come to him. After driving out these people, they come to him, and he starts to pray for them, and they are healed. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, this is interesting. Some of the wonderful things that they're talking about here include cleansing the temple of these money changers, include the cleansing the temple of these people selling doves, replacing slots that are supposed to be for people sitting and worship with stalls and markets. These are wonderful things that God did. They are cleansings that are done and are wonderful for a place. But then, there will always be the, the likes of the chief priests and the scribes who are not pleased. Because when they saw the wonderful things that he had done, including praying for people, do you know that sometimes people being prayed for and are healed can anger others? And you're angry. Could be about a ministry. But people have gone to that ministry and they've prayed for them and they're healed. And for you, you have issues with that ministry because probably you do not like the leader or they hurt you in one way or the other. Even when we've been hurt in places, it's, it's, it's important to live and walk away. But do not get angry for the ministry that is being done in that place and that ministry is prospering. Let the ministry prosper. Let more people come. Do not be angry. When the church is getting bigger and bigger, 
And for you, because you, you are no longer part of that congregation, for any issues you might have had, then you start to have ill intentions for it. Wish the best for it because eventually what matters is the people of God that go there and how blessed they should be and how much they should be served and how much they should be healed and prayed for. So we do not get angry about ministries. And of course, this will cross into leadership because we know there's lots of conflict in leadership and people who may not like the other the other leaders and whatever for whatever reason they may have. But the people of God should be kept out of issues of leadership. People of God, the flock, should be kept out of your issues, your grievances that you have. Because for them, they come for a service. And when they came to Jesus for him, he did not start saying, okay, I have, I have some arguments with the chief priests and the ones who are running this temple, so I want to pray for you and be healed. No. He prays for them and they are healed. And the chief priests saw the wonderful things he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple. You know, this shout of, the temp- of, of, of Hosanna to the son of David did not end when Jesus was entering Jerusalem. The kids took it further. It was the children, by the way, who took it further because now for them they went singing and shouting in the temple. Now for them they went in the No, children always have that excitement. They always keep the fire burning. They don't let you down. When Jesus goes to the temple and he has finished cleansing, taking out the money changers, taking out the people selling doves, these children keep shouting and singing Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. And now more anger. And anger comes to the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees because he's being talked about as the one, the son of David. And they became indignant. They became angry, this chief priest, and say to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself. Jesus says, it has been written. Have you not read it? It has been written. Have you not seen it? You are scribes. You are scribes. Have you not seen it? That it is these young ones that shall raise my praise. Praising God and worshipping God is not just the, the duty of the older people. The young ones praise God and he is pleased. In this moment, it is these young ones that were praising God and causing the uproar. Even in, at your young age, you can be of impact because the chief priests, old, long, grey-bearded men are being angered by children who are shouting Hosanna to the King of Kings. You're not too young to give glory to God. You're not too young to worship God. You're not too young to cause an influence. The people who are angering the chief priests are young kids because they are shouting Hosanna to the king. You are not too young to frustrate the devil. Get out there in this moment and praise God and worship him and speak about his goodness and speak to everybody, everybody who can hear and tell them he is the Lord of Lords. is your savior. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany and spent the night there. Of course, it is at this time you cannot find uh, people who are 
having free spots for you to stay in Jerusalem at this time. People would come mostly in these busy periods. Festivals coming up. You would just have people come to Jerusalem during the day and in the evening. They go out and find spots to stay because it would be flooded in there. That's what exactly Jesus does. He goes out to the city of Bethany and he spends the night there. And then the next day, he will return to Jerusalem for any more activity. And uh, what Jesus does here is an eye-opener for us. Honoring the house of God. Keeping the house of God in check. And may God give us the grace to do that. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you bless us and prosper us in all that we do. In Jesus' my name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com. 